Welcome to the Small Nonprofit Podcast with down-to-earth practical advice on how to get things done in your small organization. You are going to change the world and we can help. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Anya McGlynn. Hello, everybody. Hello. So Anya, today I'm really excited to have a conversation about prospect research. Woohoo. Woohoo. Question <laughs> mark? Is this an exciting thing? I have to say, like it's not my it's it's certainly not my forte. Um but yeah, I mean yeah. it it does sound exciting. It is exciting. I think for me, what's exciting about this conversation is prospect research is one of those things we always tend to associate with bigger organizations, right? Having a prospect research team and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And where do we focus? And so, you know, today's guest, Preeti Gill, uh, really starts to break down some of the fundamentals of prospect research so that it's not this like, big, scary, overwhelming, we need a full-time staff person to manage this kind of thing, but that can help you better understand your donors and opportunities and um, maximize the people around, like they're the, the giving of the people around you and really uh, go into conversations in an informed way. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> so for, for, I'm sure some of our listeners, it'll be kind of like a new concept, right? Um, <laughs> And uh, like, it's, it's honestly, it's not something that I ever really did in in my roles and, you know, recognizing now that, wow, what I could have done if I had known how to do that well, but it's kind of like researching people's philanthropic habits, donation practices, board and company affiliations. It's kind of like, um, it's like, it's like creeping on someone's LinkedIn profile, but like with information about their donations and their support, right? Kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's basically learning about the people who are you're who you're talking to, right? It's learning about um, what they care about. And obviously, and we talk about this in the, in the episode, which is sometimes the best source of information is directly from the people (laughs) and, and to use, you know, what kind of questions can we have or be prepared with so that we can learn about people directly from them in a meaningful way. But then it's also what information are we finding online? What information is helpful for us to identify opportunities for increased giving or more regular giving? You know, how do we really leverage the, the information available to us without getting overwhelmed or going down a deep rabbit hole to better manage our fundraising. And that's really what prospect research is. Gotcha. So kind of like when you're starting to date someone and, <laughs> and you go through all of their social posts. No. Um, I mean, to be honest on you, I haven't dated anyone <laughs> since yeah, no, it's been a while uh, before Facebook <laughs> was existed. So Cindy, if you had been dating during social media times, you would have been creeping on I would have been creeping. Your, crushes, your crushes profiles. So exactly. I, I like to think of prospect research a little bit like your, uh, a little bit like a crush and you just want to know everything about them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so go out and crush on your donors in a platonic way. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we will, I mean, it's a great analogy. Oftentimes we talk about fundraising as matchmaking, right? It's matching your organization's passions with your donors' passions. And, and so 
yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, it's such a pleasure to invite Preeti to the podcast. Preeti Gill is a professional researcher of philanthropic people and trends with a focus on increasing major donor support among, among female and BIPOC givers. Currently, she leads the prospect development team at Covenant House Vancouver. She is the inaugural recipient of Covenant House Vancouver's Diversity in Action Award, which recognizes staff achievement in helping create an inclusive workplace. She has worked in a wide range of nonprofit environments over the past 20 years, including education, the community foundation movement, healthcare, and social services. Preeti is a longtime volunteer for APRA International, the association that represents prospect development professionals who work in research, data analytics, and fundraising operations. She is the chair of APRA's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee in 2020 2021. Views in this podcast are uh, views expressed in this podcast are hers alone and don't necessarily represent those of Covenant House Vancouver or APRA. Please join me in welcoming Preeti to the podcast. Preeti, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me, Cindy. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here to uh, talk about all things prospect research. Yay. And this is, it's actually the first time we've talked about that on the podcast. Um, and I feel like po- um, prospect research is one of those things that can be intimidating to small organizations because it feels like there's all these like hidden resources and secrets of prospect research. So today we want to debunk some of that. Uh, so do you want to talk to us maybe thinking of it as like a prospect research 101 for someone who's starting to think about how do we do prospect research? What advice do you have around getting started? Yeah, it's interesting that you put it in that context. You're absolutely right that uh, prospect research does have a tendency um, as a role and as a team to sort of live in, you know, larger organizations. I mean, I I got my start in higher education. I, I started on on a team of, I believe there were around 10 of us at, at one point, um, which is where we really learned, um, uh, you know, our craft of how to do prospect research. And it's a real investment, right? It's a real investment in sort of time, energy, skills, and expertise. And it's an investment into the future, which I think um, smaller sort of nonprofits, you know, I would imagine uh, may not necessarily have the capacity, um, you know, in order to look too far ahead into the future because they're uh, super concerned about raising um, money today. Yeah, <laughs> and, or like yesterday. You know, <laughs> right, yeah. absolutely, um, especially during a pandemic. So I can completely understand um, yeah, that it's it's sort of the, the purview of larger organizations for the most part. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that that things are are changing I, there. Um, I actually work at a social services organization uh, right now. Um, I'm building their first prospect development um, shop. Um, and so I, I guess just to backtrack before I sort of get into a couple of tips for um, smaller nonprofits to consider, mm-hmm. um, you may want to visit aprahome.org. So A-P-R-A home.org um, is a uh, is a online space for uh, prospect development professionals. Um, mm. It's a 
organization. And there's some really good sort of basic and fundamental um, information out there um, in that space about what we do. And so you'll you'll notice um, I'm sort of taking us beyond sort of prospect research and into an area called prospect development, which mm-hmm. encompasses a couple of things. So there's the prospect research that we do on our donors and our prospects. And I would imagine that's what your audience is probably thinking about the sort of biographical information, the profiles that might be produced. But prospect development also encompasses, um, you know, for for those of us at organizations that are organized um, in terms of splitting up uh, donors into um, dedicated portfolios mm-hmm. for different to manage those donor relationships. Um, prospect development can also help sort of, um, you know, get us organized and, and managed around um, that process. And then there's also analytics, um, which I, I think is, is something that your audience, I would imagine, has probably also thought about but might be intimidated by. Um, and there are a lot of external vendors out there that can help organizations um, you know, sort of crunch their numbers, if you will, try to help organizations um, sort of determine um, who's who in, in, in your donor base and who has the financial capacity to give. And that's a whole other conversation unto itself. But um, so it's an umbrella term that, that I like to use because I find myself doing all of those things um, mm. in of, you know, when we call it prospect research, it's really prospect development. Um, And so, you know, what I would say for um, smaller nonprofits, and and I I, I hear you, I I think that um, there's actually some basic and fundamental things that a small nonprofit can do in terms of research. Um, What I would suggest first is to Just be very curious about your own donor base first. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when you have donors who are making, let's say, a major gift of like $1,000 or $5,000, hopefully that donor gives you pause to sort of think more carefully about, you know, especially if you didn't, you know, formally ask for that gift. Um, It certainly sort of, you know, prompts me to think, who is that person? Like, where did that person come from? Why do they care about my organization for versus others? Why did they give to, you know, my organization versus others? And, and, and I think that that can sort of, you know, lead you down the path of sort of trying to figure out, um, who your donors are. Of course, you can do your, you know, a, a obligatory sort of Google search to find out, you know, what their career is or who their family might be, um, what other causes they might be interested in. Uh, Google tends to be the last place that I go to. Um, there's actually alternative search engines out there. Um, I can name you one, which I really like. That is clean. Mm-hmm. Um Duck, duck, go. So duck, just as it is, um, duck, go uh, is a really good one um, in case you're curious about when major donors are presenting to you and you just want to do like a quick look up. You can certainly go there. So I'm going to take this down to the like super fundamentals, which a that that's a hot tip, duck, duck, go. But then what do we even 
search for beyond just the person's name, right? Like how do we actually leverage that tool to the, to the best of, or to the most of its capacity? Yeah. Um, you know, that's really interesting that you say that because what, what I tend to do more than anything is um, I love to look up people in the news. Mm-hmm. So um, if you find yourself um, in a big city like Toronto or Vancouver, our public library systems are a gold mine, um, especially their online uh, platforms. Um, so, you know, if you know, what, what you could do is you could search for, you know, d- donors who are more higher profile or of a more prominent nature per se, you can always look them up in the news. Um, you can figure out where they're being celebrated, for example. Mm-hmm. So we've had donors who have earned um, some really like prestigious accolades in the past. So if you have a donor in your donor base who, for example, earned an Order of Canada distinction recently, you can, you know, find that very publicly available information and you can be in touch with your donor, surprise and delight them with kudos, congratulate that donor, show that donor that not only um, do you care about their gift that came into your organization, but that you care about who that donor is and, and what they are sort of doing in the community, like how they are helping our community in other ways as well, celebrate them, um, show them that you care about them outside of the normal cycle of, <laughs> you know, thanking and asking them for for a, a gift to your organization. So um, that was a, another thing that I wanted to mention was, was to make sure that your um, you know, uh, staying on top of your local news and sort of when donors are being celebrated with accolades that you are there to congratulate them and to offer kudos. Mm-hmm. And you can do things like set up Google alerts for people if, uh, if they, if they're already on your radar, you know, so that you can, you can stay on top of that news, which is also, I've found very valuable in the past. Um, what other kinds of queries can we use? Like, I know I've always just done like a name and then donor and see what comes up just to try find what other organizations they give to, um, without access, obviously to a, a, like a database of grants and stuff. So, you know, the search engines, I think are a lot more powerful than sometimes we give them credit for what other kinds of, um, search terms or resources do you like um, or do you usually go to? Yeah, like I mentioned, I I do like to sort of uh, go to my local sort of news sources, uh, Mm -hmm. their websites and, um, you know, uh, you know, their the library sources as well. Um, You can also do a site search. So let's say you have, you know, some type of um, your donor works at a company that has like a really gargantuan sort of website. It's a large, complicated Mm -hmm. company. Um, where it's sort of difficult to figure out what your donor's presence at that company might be, you can always do a site search. And I can send you the the sort of string that you would sort of use. It's sort of difficult to describe um, in audio only. But um, yeah, you could certainly sort of, uh, you know, do things that way. Um, 
I think if you want to invest in prospect research, uh, based on what you're asking me, uh, there are products out there that will do that work for you. And you can certainly subscribe on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. Um, they aren't difficult to find. Um, yeah. Do you have a favorite? Uh, well, no one is paying me. So, um, uh, but I would say, you know, if you're in Canada and you're a small nonprofit, um, I would suggest that perhaps you um, be in touch with and and at least demo uh, products. You know, you can de- you can always sort of be in touch with um, a company like Charity Can, CharityCan.ca. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also iWave.com. Both of them uh, contain a lot of good sort of Canadian-based um, information about um, high-profile donors. Um, there's also Embryonics if you want to get a little bit more, I guess, um, you know, complicated in terms of um, understanding your uh, overall uh, donor base of support. You want to take your search from just like hooking up a single donor to, um, you know, to sort of uh, overseeing or, or looking at um, a large segment of your donor base. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing that I wanted to mention is for, yeah. for any sort of charity or, or nonprofit out there um, is to really have a strong handle on who your top lifetime donors are. And that that shouldn't have to take you in, into the realm or space of having to pay somebody to consult or, you know, have to pay for data sets in, in order to figure out, just have a really strong handle on what whatever you think at your organization is a major gift to um, sort of understand who your major donors are, who your top sort of 10, 20, 30 are, and then make sure you have some sort of uh, prospect research on all of them and some sort of plan to engage, mm-hmm. to, to engage. Um, so yeah, it, it can be quite a process, but it, it sort of has, you know, surprised me at times to, to learn that a lot of charities and nonprofits, um, aren't really, you know, segmenting their, their donor bases in that way, because they haven't even thought, um, they haven't thought about it or they don't have the capacity to sort of do that right now. So Mm -hmm. now in that you mentioned lifetime value, uh, because some of our quote unquote best donors are not necessarily the ones with the largest one-time gift. So can you talk to us a little bit about and, you know, this is a conversation we've, we certainly had a little bit of on the podcast before, but um, a little bit more about how we find those people in our donor base who we might want to um, identify as potential major gift prospects. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely hear you that like our um, most highest potential donors aren't um, the ones who are you know, only making the large gifts, Um, you know, there are definitely, um, I I would imagine that you, uh, that your organizations have supporters, those who, um, you know, uh, know and understand your organization quite well. So they have volunteered for you in the past. Um, They pick up the phone when you call them. Uh, They meet with um, staff. Uh, They've been on site at your organization and they understand your cause and your mission. These are all sort of really great um, sort of 
ways to understand who is truly sort of engaged and, and, and might be able to provide major support into the future. And many charities need to do the work of capturing all of that type of information in their donor bases, which is another mm-hmm. thing that I don't see a lot of. So for example, when I started um, at the organization where I currently am, we held a lot of e- events. We had a lot of on-site tours. We brought donors in. And most of that information didn't really find its way into the donor base in a meaningful way where we could then go in and extract to see, okay, who are all the people who are actually showing up to our events? Who are all the people who are actually um, coming on site to sort of see our work? We've just started doing that now. We've just started capturing that information now. So I, I would suggest if you're not doing that figure out a very simple and basic way to get into the database, um, all of those lovely touch points um, and and ways that you're already engaging with with your donors and then take your analysis from there. Um, That's a lot of work, but it's an investment. And I I think like, you know, a year from now, two years from now, that um, information is going to be so powerful and so useful for nonprofits to truly understand not only who's giving, but who actually cares about your organization uh, enough Mm -hmm. to want to interact with you and engage. Yeah. I think that insight is worth repeating because so often we're trying to find external data, right? Like what is the data that exists online and in these databases? Whereas the best source of data is how they're interacting with your organization. And if you're not capturing that data or information anywhere, uh, as you said, like you're, you're losing out on this huge opportunity for people to almost self-identify as, uh, as your, your, best prospects. So um, I love that. I always feel like people look externally for these magic wands. um, But you have, if you capture it right, you actually have better information than what you can find anywhere else. That's so great. Even if it's on a spreadsheet and you want to transfer it over into your like donor base, like find a volunteer who can help you um, sort of transfer that information into your your donor base, you know, um, provided there's confidentiality in place, like I would definitely invest time and resources in something like that. And you also um, what it's interesting that that you say that internal data is is the best data, it absolutely is. And I think prospect development professionals can also help us, uh, you know, in terms of um, helping our donor facing colleagues, um, you know, gather firsthand that information from their donors during meetings, during site tours, at the gala. It like if we ever get back to you know, <laughs> in the community and doing those things. But prospect development um, can help you sort of identify what sort of information to sort of look for 
um, when, when it comes to your donors, what sort of questions can you ask your, your donors to learn more about them, how, how to ask them, and then how to capture that information into meaningful like contact reports, for example, in your donor base, like there's, there's a whole sort of world of sort of, you know, um, asking powerful questions and, um, you know, contact report, you know, templates that we've created at Covenant House that have really sort of uh, allowed us to better understand our donors just through conversations. And I'm going to mention the work of um, Karen Osborne, who is the queen of asking strategic questions. Google Karen Osborne, find her sheet of all of the questions that you could possibly ask a donor in the most tactful ways and, and see if you can um, sort of template some of those questions. See if there's some questions that, that make sense for your type of donor at your type of cause to, to always try to ask or to strive, you know, to get answers about, and then make sure that those answers end up in that donor's record um, in some way that you can go in and later find it. Um, <laughs> extremely powerful. Um, so uh, I love her. Uh, she's really changed, um, you know, my life in terms of um, me helping my donor facing colleagues um, sort of just, you know, uh, gather and analyze information direct from, you know, our source, which is the, the donor themselves. Um, yeah, I love, love that insight. That's such a great, uh, and great resource because that's how we train people how to fundraise, even around fundraising strategy, hear from your donors first, because they're going to give you the best, um, best, best path to take to raise more money from them. So if you ask the right questions, you can usually figure, figure that out pretty quickly. Um, you and I have talked previously Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, like, you know, as as powerful as, um, you know, it really is to hear direct from the, the donor, absolutely. But, you know, where the magic happens is when, is when you have the know-how, the intel, um, the ability to, um, you know, find and gather external publicly available information about your donor that your donor may not want to necessarily tell you about directly. Like for example, what other organizations they're mm-hmm. supporting and, you know, at, you know, how much they're supporting them at. Um, I, I think that there's a real magic when you can marry um, the information that the donor is telling you directly um, and help fill the, the sort of gaps with external information that prospect development can sort of help you find. That's where I think you can create the most effective strategies yeah. in terms of engaging donors over the long term. So I, I don't want to sort of completely yeah. sort of the the external sources that are available out there. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk to you about um, prospect research and diversifying your donor base. But before we go there, uh, just because you've talked, you sort of mentioned the, the research part again, you know, oftentimes I hear from organizations and they'll get solicited by, you know, different tools. Like you mentioned a couple that you trust, um, Charity Can and iWave, and of course there are more. Sometimes there are features that 
uh, not these particular ones, but other tools might um, advertise that seem too good to be true or that seem to be you know, great selling feature, unless you really know how prospect research works. And then you're like, mm, that actually doesn't, doesn't matter. So I, just any cautionary, I don't want to say cautionary tales, but anything like if, if an organization is looking to invest in tools, what are the things that sound too good to be true because they are too good to be true? Um, well, I, I think anytime um, an information vendor uh, directly correlates um, the finding of information with you're going to be able to raise like millions and millions of dollars. I, I think any organization has to sort of sit down and think, okay, well, what sort of steps would I have to take from finding that information on your product to um, securing the millions of dollars. There's so many other factors, right? Mm -hmm. there's, there's the research and the information and, and the value of it itself. Um, there's the insights that you glean, but then there's the action that your organization also needs to take in order to action out that information and turn it into meaningful insights and eventually be able to secure the gift. So, um, I think prospect research works great with donor facing colleagues who mm -hmm. are trained, <laughs> who, who are trained to talk to their donors, who are fearless in asking for support and who will carefully steward our donors um, uh, like along their, their journey. So, you know, I, I don't think it's enough to have um, beautifully crafted and pre-sourced prospect development at an organization. I think you also need to be investing in training your donor-facing colleagues um, to really sort of get to know their donors well and uh, to know and understand that um, it is their job to foster philanthropy and secure philanthropic support for, from mm -hmm. our, our donors and that prospect research supports that in strategic ways. So you kind of need to have um, uh, um, all of those things in an organization. And an external vendor is, of course, just trying to sell you information, right? So uh, I, I would be, yeah, very careful about who I use. And I would also sort of, if I was a, a director or, or like a senior person in a development shop, uh, I would be thinking very carefully about the staff who can actually use that research. So that's why you see a lot of us in prospect research working very closely with our major gift fundraising teams and less so with annual giving. Mm -hmm. um, great insights there. Thank you. So before we run out of time, I do want to, the way we were introduced originally was because you were part of a panel talking about um, diversity in philanthropy, um, which is something we, we're going to talk a little bit about in this season of, of the podcast. Um, so how can we think of prospect research as a tool to help us diversify our donor bases? Yeah, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> there's, a, you know, there's, there's a lot of parts to this. Um, I, I think prospect research can absolutely be, first of all, 
Um, as prospect researchers, what I'm noticing around the industry and what um, I'm hearing from colleagues from is that um, prospect research teams tend to be very diverse in their own demographics. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a brown girl, right? I make no mistake about that. Um, I, I know um, why I'm in prospect development and why I'm not in a sort of donor facing role. I've never felt comfortable being on the sort of front lines of fundraising, even when I had to steward donors and we're, we're not going to get into, you know, all of the reasons for that. But what, what I will say is that prospect development teams do tend to be quite diverse in their demographic and make up more so than our donor facing teams um, do anecdotally. Um, so I will say that about, about that. And, and also I think prospect development professionals, you know, could and should be mindful about where their information is coming from. Mm. Um, much of our information is coming from like mainstream media sources, corporate directories. These are not the domains where unfortunately we see a lot of, of, like diversity, even if there are, um, you know, people from diverse backgrounds working in, you know, senior level roles in corporate Canada, oftentimes um, the mainstream media is now just waking up to shining a light on who they are. So I, I think as prospect development professionals, we do need to be looking at and expanding our horizons in terms of the kinds of sources we are using. We need to be doing prospect research and prospect development, not just from our desks, from Google and you know the library and our, our vendors, but I, I think we need to be trying to enhance our understanding about who is actually out in our community and who is being philanthropic. Um, and that requires a different set of like sources. Mm-hmm. Um, the other day I, I walked by this news box and um, one of my favorite magazines of all time is Canadian immigrant magazine. Get a copy of it. Um, I love reading it. These are stories of, you know, real people overcoming so many systemic barriers and doing great things. And I think on on the cover of their latest feature is a woman named Gina Cody, who ended up giving millions of dollars to her alma mater um, in Montreal. It was a beautiful story. And and I, I love turning to those kinds of sources, if only to sort of help inspire me to mm-hmm. uh, question and to challenge the prospect research sort like sources I'm currently using. Being out in the community is so important. And I don't know how we do that right now. (laughs) (laughs) But we will get there at some point. Um, I would suggest that prospect researchers, um, you know, if there are some on on the call is to broaden our definitions of what philanthropy is beyond you know, seeing um, an old white guy's name on the top of a building in downtown Toronto kind of thing. And and really think about what philanthropy means to a broader subset of Canadians. Because newcomer Canadians, first generation Canadians, I don't want to be like, you know, overgeneralizing, but I would argue that their definition of philanthropy and how it's practiced is very different from how we view philanthropy in North America. And I think prospect research has a role in understanding that as well to enhance our own understanding about 
the work that we are doing. And, and I think we're finally being disrupted in prospect development. I know that we are guilty, right, in my um, part of the, the sector. I know that we are guilty of focusing relentlessly on those who have high financial capacity, the, you know, the Bill Gates of the world and insert a Canadian dude's name here, maybe Jerry Schwartz. <laughs> um, you know, I, I know we're guilty of that, but um, I, I think we're, we're starting to sort of, you know, understand and realize and appreciate that there is already so much rich diversity in our donor bases already. I mm. see with the gifts coming in, I see their names. I know that they're not white. And, 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 you know, how can we reach out to those people who are already giving to us? Because if you're an organization in Canada, I, you know, how do you argue that your donor base is not already diverse? How do you do that? You know, perhaps your major donors right now aren't um, as diverse as you would like them to be. Perhaps you're not intentionally preaching out to your, you know, diverse donors to invite them to events. Maybe you don't know how to pronounce their name and you don't want to get it wrong. And so you don't contact them. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, they're... Um, I, I think that we need to figure this out in prospect development, in fundraising and philanthropy, because our our donor pool is also shrinking, right? Like we, we have stats out there that show that there are fewer donors and that they're giving more. So what that means is that um, if we want to broaden uh, the scope of our donor bases, we need to welcome new and different people into our donor bases of support. We need to be talking to them. And on the flip side of that, if we have bigger investors in our organizations, we need, we need to be doing more prospect development and prospect research mm -hmm. on to better understand who they are. Right. Yeah. So, I always say we're terrible judges of people's capacity right? We, all, we often over inflate uh, what we believe certain people's capacity to give is and under uh, undervalue other people's. And so I think sort of a combination of all the things we've talked about will really help us reframe who we think, you know, who, who our donors are and how we tap into, uh, you know, I think this brings us full, cir full circle to the beginning of the conversation, which is start with your existing supporters um, and really understand who they are and where they're coming from, because chances are um, they can give more than, you know, what they're, what they're doing already. So um, Preeti, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Where can our listeners learn more about you? Yeah, um, same. This has been a really um, interesting conversation. Um, so yeah, anyone who wants to be in touch with me can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, so I'm at Soul Searcher PR um, on Twitter and on LinkedIn. You can just find my name and um, I'm happy to connect with you. And it's also where I share a lot of resources and um, stories of uh, donors who hail from diverse backgrounds making big gifts already. So, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Thank you again. And of course, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time and uh, have a great day. 
Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week. Thank you.